Welcome to the Payments Journal Podcast, and here is your host, Ryan Mack. Welcome to the Payments Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Mack. Now, when it comes to payments acceptance, from the merchant's point of view, it all comes down to how many successful transactions they can complete. And a payment denial or sticker shock can quickly sour the merchant's ability to complete the sale and sometimes leave a negative opinion of the merchant's brand in the mind of the consumer, though through no fault of the merchant. So in today's episode, I'm joined by Tony Chirino, the Catapult VP of Sales, and Brian Riley, who is the Director of the Credit Advisory Service at Mercator Advisor Group, to discuss merchant options that they can enable like buy now pay later and lease to own to help complete more successful transactions so there's certainly a lot of data and insights to unpack on today's episode so without any further delays let's start the show so Tony and Brian, thank you so much for joining me here on today's episode. We're we're really going to be kind of taking a look at the changing the narrative around subprime consumers here. Um, and now Brian, I, I wanted to get your take here first because I think that there's this really uh, interesting flowchart here. Uh, when particularly we're kind of taking a look at uh, an example of say waterfall lending here. And for those of you who are following along on PaymentJournal.com, you're going to be able to view this chart in the article below. So Brian, perhaps maybe you could unpack this chart uh, or this visual example here for our audience. Well, sure. And thank you, Ryan. But you know, the, the timing is really right for waterfall lending. If you look at everything that's gone on in the environment related to COVID, we have consumers pulling back on where they want to apply because they're not confident with the economy and their employment situation. Same time, we have lenders tightening up because we don't know what the new normal is yet. But things look better than they did it six months ago, that's for sure but we don't know where the new normal yet is. And the beauty of waterfall lending is that its goal is to find a lender for the process. And this slide is a good example of what happens, assuming that we have a thousand credit applications with an average ticket price of $2,000. So $2,000 is kind of a sweet spot for something like this. And it could be for a water heater, or it could be for an appliance or certainly electronic equipment. But things start with the primary lender. The primary lender typically will follow bank grade lending standards and a little bit more than half, we use in this example, 55% of them will survive the underwriting process. Now, we remember we start with a thousand applications for an average ticket of 2000. So we've got a universe of $2 million in potential sales. Assume that the waterfall lender is gonna pull in 55% and that will generate only 550 of those thousand units for 1.1 million in sales. But we still have another 450 customers that have not been served and the potential sales volume is $900,000. So those could go to a second lender. The second lender will have, they won't be at the bank grade, they'll be down a notch. So there will be some that survive that uh, approval process and underwriting. And we figure in this example, 30%. And that's a fair number looking at these as second time finance opportunities. But those 30% will, uh, of the 450 turndowns will generate another 165 units in sales. But I still have another 285 applications with a potential of $570 in sales volumes. So by adding in the third step into the waterfall lending process, where it's not gonna be a traditional credit situation where we're doing a primary or secondary approval, but it's gonna be a lease to own option. 
And we figure that com what comes through that underwriting process is being able to generate 75% of those turndowns into loans. That gives us another 124 approvals and that values at about 200, just shy of $250,000. So what you see from the waterfall lending here is that we start with a prime lender, work our way through a secondary lender, then down to lease and O. But the beauty of this situation is that we come out of the primary lender with having an additional 288, 89 uh, units in sales and another $577,000 in, in retail sales. So that's the perspective on waterfall lending. Yeah. And so, you know, certainly thank you very much for that overview there, Brian. Um, and now I want to pick up on something, Brian, that you had said there. Um, and Tony, I want to ask you this question about it. You know, Brian brought up the whole lease to own aspect here. Um, and I'm kind of then curious, I want to get your take on really then what's the difference between when we're talking about the lease to own and the buy now pay later trend that we're seeing in the marketplace? For Ryan, well, lease to own offers customers a way to obtain durable goods without the need for a credit score. So they enter into a lease agreement with a lease-owned company like Catapult, who then purchases the item and leases it back to the consumer. Unlike buy now, pay later, the consumer has multiple options with their lease agreement. They can make payments for the length of the lease term. They can return the item to the lease-owned company and not make any additional payments, or they can pay off the lease in 90 days for the cash price, typically for um, a fee and, and the initial payment that they made. So very different um, in terms of what the, uh, the the process is for the consumer when they're using a lease loan option compared to a buy now pay later. And that really does create a new opportunity for those that might be on the fringes of where their FICO scores might bring them in on a buy now pay later loan. Yeah, certainly. But so I, I, then I've got to kind of ask the follow-up question to this then, uh, Tony. So we're, we're certainly kind of starting to see, especially the emergent, I mean, there's been a lot of headlines in the news, particularly talking about buy now, pay later. Um, but why is there some hesitation from enterprise retailers to offer a uh, lease to own uh, checkout option? Sure. There, there have been ne many negative connotations around leasing for numerous reasons. And it's been hard historically to think about a lease purchase as anything but predatory. But um, the, the good thing is that's no longer the case. You know, buy now, pay later, and lease-owned companies are changing the way they treat consumers, and specifically the non-prime consumer. Um, and, and the consumer segment is really comprised of, of shoppers at different life stages. It's millennials, baby boomer, boomers, it's Gen Xers. Um, and the reason for leasing a product, instead of using store, typical store financing or another payment method that relies on a FICO score are, are numerous. And at the end of the day, the non-prime segment is a group of customers who have needs just like any other shopper. Um, and it's the responsibility of a lease-owned company like Catapult, not only to treat them with respect and grace, but also to help them on their path to ownership of the items that they're, they're, they're leasing. So, you know, we believe that the, the space is changing and that um, the least owned companies and specifically Catapult are really looking for ways to change the experience to a, to a great one for the least owned consumer. And you know, the timing is really right as we look at COVID and how it's changed so many things. You know, certainly with the payment extensions that have gone on with on the credit card side, there have been 
really a lot of consideration given in keeping the customer afloat. But the world is not steady yet, as, as you well know. You, know. you just go out to a restaurant, things just feel different as a good example. So there's tons of consumers in that section that don't have the confidence to go out and lend, or they might not have the, the scores that are necessary. So it really does open up the universe at a time that really needs to change. Uh, so now, Tony, you know, we really kind of talk about like, hey, the, the, the time is really kind of right for uh, a lease to own or buy now, pay later options here. And, you know, as kind of Brian pointed out here in terms of just the world doesn't feel uh, the same and there might not be some some consumer confidence in terms of just regular credit um, or just in terms of FICO credit scores uh, that are out there. And, you know, these types of services really kind of opening up, um, you know, kind of services and products that are uh offered to consumers here um, at those levels. But is it is it just because that the world itself kind of feels a little bit differently and traditional FICO scores? Or is it the fact that we have better access to data, we're able to process that data quickly, and therefore we're able to kind of turn around those offers a lot more quickly than say in a, in a you know, kind of looking back maybe three or four years ago where where you would get to that, you know, the, the point of sale terminal and the, just the technology wasn't there. There wasn't the ability to be able to get that instant, okay, here's the waterfall lending uh, approach that we've got here, we can quickly process this transaction and offer this individual this particular product or service here. Um, or, you know, or is there a, some other reason why we think that particularly this lease to own and buy now, pay later is just really kind of taken off over the past, you know, six to nine months here? Sure. Well, obviously with, with COVID, as, as Brian mentioned, I mean, we're, we're seeing um, more customers wanting ac access to some type of credit to be able to to make their payments over time as opposed to paying for things up front. That's just, you know, customers are more comfortable doing that in, in the last year than they, they've ever been before. And especially so in, in the e-commerce side of the business, right? So the, the consumer is shopping more online than they were more, uh, you know, more, a year ago. And they're looking for an easy way to make that purchase. And certainly buy now, pay later, lease to own e-commerce all makes that easier to do. I think the waterfall technology that's now um, that's now here, that wasn't here three to five years ago is also a big part of that. And so consumers who may not know that there are other options for them uh, to make their purchase in terms of credit um, or leased own are now available to them through these waterfalls and that's enabling them to make those purchases that they may not have made before. And Tony brings up an interesting point with the shift to e-commerce, because that's a, a metric that's really exploded with COVID-19. And being able to present this offer in, in near real time is something that helps facilitate the volume that can push through. Yeah, I, I certainly think it's very interesting, especially when you kind of look at consumer behaviors, options like a lease to own or buy now, pay later, kind of really put up front and I think kind of make the the budgeting math a quite a bit easier because if an individual can sit there and say, oh, okay, this is what I have to pay and I'm kind of locked into this payment per month for X months, the, the budgetary math becomes very easy on their end to say, okay, can't can I afford this um, under this type of a solution or not? Um so with that kind of being in mind, then, Tony, I've got to ask, so let's then break down what is the benefits uh, to the enterprise retailer here when we're talking about lease to own and buy now, pay later? Um, and what are they leaving on the table by not offering lease to own or buy now, pay later options to their customers? 
Sure, Ryan. I, I think, you know, we've done a lot of research on this. And, and one of the things that we found is that enterprise retailers who offer in-store financing options, including buy now, pay later, and lease to own for things like durable goods, appliances, electronics, part, automotive parts, and tires, um, seen more than a hundred percent increase sometimes in transactions and a significant increase in conversion rate as well, up to 11% or higher. So, you know, large retailers, um, can, can really figure out pretty easily what they're leaving on the table um, with a simple you know, math equation. When you look at, uh, as an example, um, a million, a hundred million uh, in prime declines, uh, we can bring to the table, the least to own can bring to the table 45% of those declines to train, to convert them, you know, to, to, least, to, to a least to own option like Catapult, which on a hundred million dollars in revenue is $45 million that they, they would have missed out on if they didn't have an option like that. So, you know, retailers should be looking at those numbers, understanding where those opportunities are and, and really making sure that they're capturing the full credit spectrum of customers to uh, be able to offer them the products that they wanna sell them. So really the net of what Tony says here is that you just don't want to stop with that first lending source, right? You have a whole bunch of applications that can go somewhere else. And within the example we use, we show you how you can really skinny that down. You might not want to send the entire population to lease it to own. You might want to have that secondary filter there. But suffice to say, you don't want to walk away from the potential sale. And that's what the waterfall lending does. It keeps pushing the application through a process. You're not necessarily generating more FICO hits as you go along or bureau hits, if you will. Um, but it's a way to salvage those applications so they just don't go into waste and missed opportunity. And, and that's the whole focus of the waterfall. And that's where lease to own fits into the process. You know, Tony, before we wrap things up here, I've got one more question that I want to ask to you. Um, so in terms of just the the overall experience, obviously, you know, we're, we're taking a look at this and we're saying, hey, yes, if I'm a merchant, I want to offer a, a product and service like this um, here, uh, mainly because of the fact that, okay, the merchant's end goal is to make sure that the consumer you know, fulfills the transaction, goes all the way through the transaction of it. Um, and this just al allows an additional option that's available to them. Um, you know, if for maybe for some reason they decide, hey, yes, we want to go in that direction or, hey, I don't want to put it on a card or I don't want to uh, use a debit uh, transaction for this. Um, but what what I'd like to know is then say from an implementation standpoint here, if I'm an enterprise retailer and I'm looking to implement a solution like this, what does that experience look like for them? So say I've got, uh, you know, my e-commerce site up or I've got my POS terminal set up. What is it that Catapult is able to bring to the table that is able to get the solution quickly into their hands so they can start to implement it? And then also, if we could take a look at it from the consumer's perspective, what does the end result look like a to a consumer when they get up front and they say, hey, this is what the end experience is going to look like uh, that Catapult can deliver for them? Sure, Ryan. So just from the e-commerce side, I'll, I'll speak to e-commerce and the brick and mortar. So I think on the e-commerce side, it's a fairly easy, you know, integration uh, for the for the retailer in, in working with Catapult. So it will one depend on which site that the the, the enterprise retailer is is, um, is is platformed on, meaning what type of what type of website platform are they using, 
And um, that will help dictate how long it may take to do an integration on their e-commerce site. But we have options for any platform that they're on. Some are very easy plugins and some are a little bit more complicated, but uh, again, fairly easy to do in terms of integrating with us. And that's a process that we walk them through over whatever period of time we decide together that it would take to, to do that to do that integration. Um, and we have a team that works directly with our merchants to do that. On the brick and mortar side, we offer an in-store portal where the um, consumer can apply and the sales associate in the store can check the customer out. Um, and then also um, in tandem with their POS system as well. So, uh, but we also offer the ability to integrate to the retailer's POS system if they choose to do that as well. So it's a full integration, very seamless for both the salesperson working in the store and for the consumer as well. On the consumer side of it, uh, you know, really want to make sure that the retailer has got all of the merchandising and marketing materials that they need to make sure the consumer knows that there is at least an option for the consumer. They know what it means. They know what the payments will look like, all of those things. And so we're very, uh, we work very close with our merchants to make sure all the consumer facing material, materials are ready to go when they launch with us so that the consumer um, can be fully aware of the option that's available to them and then what it's going to be, what it's going to mean in terms of their, um, if they decide to go forward with a with a least on option like Catapult. And the key word there is seamless too within all that. I mean, this cannot be a kludgy experience. It has to be part of a natural sales exiting form uh, to close the sale, and that's what really uh, is important here. Being able to lock into your system and and make sure the process doesn't have a lot of bumps in the road. And then of course the disclosures are essential to survive in this business. It's a regulatory compliance issue and something that you really need to be comfortable with. Excellent. So I think we'll end on that note there. So Tony, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time today for speaking to me about changing the narrative about subprime consumers. And I hope to have both of you back on the podcast real soon. You're right. Sounds good. Thank you.